Welcome back. This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our differences shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condice Presley. More than one-third of Georgia parents with young children say they or somebody in their family has had to quit a job, not take a job, or greatly change a job in the past year because of challenges with child care. And the ongoing pandemic has only aggravated their problems. Now, for more than a decade, GEARS, the Georgia Early Education Alliance for Ready Students, has worked to inspire and to provide leadership for a statewide movement on quality early learning and healthy development for all children from birth to age five. Mindy Benderman is the executive director of GEARS, and she joins us. Mindy, thanks for being with us. Talk to us about the importance of a very strong early childhood start. We're talking about out of the womb until five years old. So it is absolutely essential that young kids have a strong start. We know that brain development research has told us that the time between when a child is born and the time they turn about three actually is a critical part of brain, uh, a critical time for brain development. They um, are making synaptic connections. They are learning about their world. It sets the foundation for everything that comes after in terms of not only learning and school success, but also personal success. They're learning habits and um, building relationships that will last a lifetime. And we know that when children have that strong start, they are far more likely to be successful in school and in life. And in what ways has the pandemic adversely impacted the availability and the costs that families are paying for childcare? So the pandemic has, has impacted that in so many ways. First, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were really concerned that childcare could close and never reopen because the childcare business, childcare um, programs are mostly small businesses. They run on a shoestring budget, and we were concerned that um, because of surveys we had seen and had conducted ourselves, childcare providers told us that the, if they were forced to close for two weeks, they may never reopen. Luckily, in Georgia, we were able to bring stabilization funds um, to childcare providers. There was the there were PPP loans. There were supports that enabled childcare to remain open, and. Um, serve families throughout the pandemic. The challenge though is that now childcare providers are having a very hard time finding staff. And so they're having to close classrooms sometimes because staff just isn't available. They can't serve children without high quality teachers. In addition, just like in other businesses as well, when there is an exposure by a teacher or a student, they have to close classrooms um, to quarantine those families. Remember, young kids are still not eligible to be vaccinated. We've got to protect these kids. That's hard on families. That's hard on childcare providers. Um, so families of young children are more stressed than we've ever seen them before. And we're doing surveys all the time of families who are just trying to hold on to their jobs, take care of their kids, get their kids um, in childcare, pay for it. Um, so really the pandemic has exacerbated problems with cost of childcare and availability of childcare that have been here for a long time, 
Um, but really, I think now they're really in the spotlight due to the pandemic. What are some of the reasons why childcare is so expensive? We know oftentimes we said families have to make a decision. Is it more affordable for the a parent to work or for a parent to stay at home and look after the child? So cost of childcare is due to a couple of things, but basically it's staff, it's high quality teachers. We wanna pay our teachers. Um, we have ratios and group sizes that are specific to childcare because ratios and group sizes that are specific to childcare because you can only serve a certain number of ch young children um, with one adult or per one adult. Um, and we're focused on what families can pay too, right? So to, for childcare to be sustainable, childcare has to, most childcare providers have to be full. They have to serve the amount of kids that they were set up to and licensed to serve. They have to collect fees and their fees have to cover their costs. Usually though, that's really challenging. And, um, the bigger challenge is while costs are very high for families, Childcare teachers are still paid. Um, they're some of the lowest paid professionals. Um, and so we're still having challenges um, and that the market, what the market can bear just isn't really the cost of childcare. So what needs to happen to improve the situation? There are a couple of things that need to happen, Condes. First and foremost, families need support. Um, and to support families, we need to provide funding that helps support them so that they can afford high quality childcare. We have a childcare subsidy program in the state of Georgia that provides some scholarships for low income working families, but we only are able to serve about 15% of eligible families with those scholarships. That's federally funded scholarships. The state just simply runs out of money every year. We need to have support at a local level, a state level, and we need federal funds that help support these families so that families can go to work and also afford high quality childcare. That's one thing that we can do. We also need to address teacher pay. We can do that by ensuring that our scholarships and ensuring that um, other supports to childcare providers help support um, the fees, that the salaries that childcare teachers really need. So that's another thing that we can do as well. We also need to increase the supply of high quality childcare, particularly for infants and toddlers throughout the state of Georgia. We're, um, we have a childcare access map that just looks at the Atlanta region that shows where there, is, where there are childcare deserts. Um, we're about to update that map again so we can highlight kind of where childcare deserts exist just throughout the region. And let me just say, they exist throughout the region, regardless of kind of income, average income, we see um, a higher than expected gap in childcare distributed throughout the region. And so we need to increase the supply. And how do we do that? We can incentivize providers to participate in our quality rating system. We can help, um, private funders can help with capital funds to support expansion and improvement of childcare facilities. Um, and we can help with training. So there's a lot of things that I think we can do to support high quality childcare um, and support the sustainability so that parents can afford it. So with respect to resources, are those dollars available at the local, at the state and at the federal level? And if not, why not? 
So this is, a, first of all, let me just say, this is a public-private partnership. We believe that parents can and should help pay for childcare. We believe that there are private foundations that have helped with some of those capital funds. The federal government currently helps with a child care development block grant that goes through the state, but that's not enough. As I said, that only serves about 15% of eligible families. Um, the federal government is considering through reconciliation um, significant sustainable funds for childcare. That would be game-changing. That would be a once-in-a-generation opportunity to really change the trajectory for young children and their families throughout the country, but specifically in Georgia as well. Um, in addition to that, though, we believe that the state of Georgia um, also needs to um, allocate funds to support childcare. It's good for Georgia's economy. If families can't send their children to childcare, they can't work. As you said, families constantly are having to make that decision about what do I, how do I pay for childcare or do I have to, do I stay home with my children and then perhaps forgo the light bill or the electric bill? At the same time right now, we know that our businesses in Georgia are struggling to get workers back. And one of the things that workers have said is childcare is an issue. Um, and so it's good for the families, it's good for children, it's also good for the economy of Georgia to make investments in childcare for young kids. Mindy, it sounds as if this is a topical issue right now. What can our viewers, our audience do to get involved and perhaps help to facilitate positive change? So thank you so much for asking that because there are so many things that viewers can do. One thing that you can all do is call your legislators. The Georgia General Assembly is meeting now. Tell them that you support high quality, affordable childcare for Georgia's families. Call your legislator and ask for more investments for childcare for Georgia's families and also for teachers. One of the things that um, our legislators are considering in this year's budget is a raise specifically for, well, for all teachers in Georgia, um, also for assistant pre-K teachers. Our pre-K assistant teachers are paid about $16,000 a year. Um, that's less than the assistant teachers in kindergarten, first and second grade. We want to at least get them parity with those assistant teachers. It's about $2,000 a year more. It's about $6 million to Georgia's budget, and those are lottery dollars. So not only can you support more funding for childcare, but you can specifically support funding for assistant pre-K teachers as well. In addition to that, what I would ask all of you. Um, all the viewers, especially those in business, is to give parents of young kids some grace right now. Understand the tremendous stress that they're under. And when we've done focus groups, one of the things that they ask for the most is flexibility from their employers to understand that sometimes they get a call from a childcare provider first at six in the morning when they're about to drop their kids off at eight in the morning, say, saying their classroom is closed for the next week due to a exposure. Um, a COVID exposure. These families are doing everything they can to be good employees and good parents and, and to keep their kids safe. And so they're asking for some flexibility and some grace. And I hope that we'll think about those parents, um, especially right now when we're all struggling so much and um, particularly parents of, of young kids. So those are two things that you can do. There's also some other things you can do that GEAR supports. One of them is we have a program in the city of Atlanta called PACT, Promise All Atlanta Children Thrive. 
you can go to our website, www.childrenraiseatlanta.org, and you can make the pact, make the promise that you'll support young kids in the city of Atlanta. So we would urge you to do that as well. And if you are an organization in the Atlanta region, the other thing we do that's really fun is we have something called the Mayor Summer Reading Club, where every year we partner with organizations in the city of Atlanta um, and provide free, beautiful books written um, with authors and artists from the Alliance for um, from the Alliance Theater. And um, if you want to be a partner of the Mayor Summer Reading Club and help us by doing enriching programming for young kids and their families during the summer, you can also contact us through our website. Was there anything else that you wanted to say or something I might not have thought to ask? Um, I would just say, again, Candace, I mentioned that the legislative session is in full swing right now. Um, we, uh, in addition to funding for childcare, um, funding for pre-K teachers, we have one more budget ask really, and it is around home visiting. Um, home visiting programs are voluntary research-based programs where a friendly home visitor who's trained is invited into someone's home, a young parent's home, and helps them, um, teaches them skills um, to do with their kids. It might be around literacy. It might be um, checking on the health of a child. Um, and unfortunately, our um, home visiting programs in Georgia are right now available in just a tiny, tiny subsection of counties in Georgia, I think 26 total. And we want to expand home visiting programs um, in the state, particularly in our rural counties. We've seen that these have um, great um, outcomes for young kids and their families. They help reduce child abuse. They improve child outcomes, health outcomes, and also literacy outcomes. And so um, that's the other call that we'll be making this year and certainly hope that um, families, will, uh, that, that your viewers will support that. And then finally, we have a program called Strolling Thunder, which is our annual lobby day for families of young kids. And we bring families and their infants, so infants, toddlers, and their parents and caregivers to the Capitol every year to talk to legislators. Well, last year and this year, um, instead of going in person to the Capitol, we're doing virtual lobby days, virtual trainings and lobby days. You'll get trained, you'll have lots of fun, you'll get swag bags if you register, and um, you'll learn how to write, write letters and tell your story to legislators. And that's on February 3rd. And I would invite all of your viewers to go to our website, www.gearsgeears.org and register for Strolling Thunder or tell, if you don't have young kids yourself, tell friends, tell your families, invite them all to come join us at Strolling Thunder. Wonderful, outstanding. Mindy Benderman, Executive Director of Gears, the Georgia Early Education Alliance for Ready Students. Thank you so much. Thanks, Condice. Have a great day. We've talked about early childhood education. Now we move on to secondary and postgraduate education today. The organization with an opportunity for your students this summer is Breakthrough Atlanta. And joining me now is the Breakthrough Atlanta Executive Director, Monique Shields. Hi, Monique. Hi, thank you for having me, Candace. Happy to have you. Tell us a little bit about Breakthrough Atlanta. Absolutely. Well, Breakthrough Atlanta is a nonprofit organization with a dual mission. 
Uh, we work closely to close opportunity gaps in under-resourced communities by launching highly motivated students on a path to college. And we also build work to build a strong pipeline of future teachers. And this is the time of year when you all are recruiting for both. Tell us more. Yes. So Breakthrough believes that every young person deserves access to an excellent education and the encouragement to succeed. But we recognize that longstanding and complex inequities create gaps that disproportionately prevent some students from getting resources and support that they need to attend college. So for our students, beginning in middle school, we offer a six-year, year-round, tuition-free college prep program. And that program um, starts when students are in the summer before their seventh grade year. And for um, the first three summers that they're in the program, we provide basically a summer school where we are working to combat summer learning loss. So that's the first step of our college preparatory program. We wanna make sure that students don't lose the knowledge and skills that they gain in the school year because they don't have access to quality summer enrichment. Our summer learning program is fun. Students are going to reinforce skills in reading and math and gain STEM enrichment and do arts and cultural enrichment. And they're taught by college undergraduate students who are also gaining skills um, in teaching with the hopes that um, will inspire many of them to change their majors and become educators. Um, But getting back to our students, Um, As our students go from middle school to high school, we then really step up our work on college readiness. Um, From the ninth grade to the 12th grade, we provide intensive college preparatory programming and one-on-one counseling with students and their families um, with a strong emphasis on helping families to understand how to attend the best possible colleges for their students, the right colleges for their students, and to do that affordably in a way that will allow our students to attend without taking on a lot of debt that will you know, really stifle their plans that they have for their adult lives. Is this work this year, and I would assume last a little bit more difficult because of the learning gap that exists as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, um, the pandemic has certainly exacerbated learning gap, and recent research shows that these gaps are more severe for economically disadvantaged students and students of color. And since the pandemic, we've also seen that college enrollment has declined nationwide. And again, um, it's been worse for economically disadvantaged students and students of color. Um, So we are really working to help our students stay on track academically through middle and high school and to ensure that our graduating seniors have scholarships, they understand the financial aid process, and they have um, grants, and they're not taking out a lot of loans, and they're able to attend colleges that they'll be able to afford for the full two to four years until they receive their degrees. Um, We've also seen that the pandemic has taken a psychological toll on our students. Um, Not only are students uh, bearing the stressful burden of inconsistent schedules and virtual learning challenges and a loss of social connections with their peers, 
but many of our students have also seen illness and even sometimes death among family members, and that has taken a strain on their mental health. So we have counselors on our team. We help to connect our families to community resources when necessary so that our students' academic process, um, progress and their wellness isn't derailed as a result. Talk to us more about these student teachers. I think if the, the pandemic has shown us one thing, it's the importance of classroom instruction, classroom instructors, and what a rewarding yet demanding job teaching is. Yes. Um, so our summer program also gives paid hands-on teaching internship experience to college students. And you don't have to, as a college student, be an education major. Um, you do have to have a passion and some background in serving youth. Um, but we're really, what we're really doing is creating a near-peer mentorship experience for our middle schoolers by engaging them with college students who are coolest teachers around, right? And they're also um, very relatable to our middle schoolers and they are role models that our middle schoolers can look towards to become future college students in just a five or six years. And for our college students, um, they are mentored and coached by professional educators. So they're getting a really um, hands-on technical experience of what it's like to be a teacher um, for the six weeks of the summer program that they're engaged with our students. And um, they're also now getting the benefit of being AmeriCorps members. So we have partnered with AmeriCorps and our teaching fellows um, are able to not only earn a living stipend to pay for their expenses over the summer, but they're also able to earn an education award through AmeriCorps that will allow them to pay tuition, room and board and fees so that they can complete their college degrees. Sounds like a great opportunity. How do prospective students and prospective instructors connect with you all at Breakthrough Atlanta to get involved and sign up for this opportunity? So both our student and our teaching fellow applications are open on our website, breakthroughatlanta.org. Right on the homepage, you'll see buttons to apply. Um, both applications are really simple to get started. And as soon as you reach out to us, we'll be in touch with you to um, get you enrolled in our program. And even though it is early in the year and we're talking about a six-week summer program four to six months from now, now is the time to get involved. That's what you're saying, Monique? Yes, absolutely. Both programs are competitive, whether you're applying to be a student or you're applying to be a teaching fellow, it's a competitive process. So the earlier you apply, the better. Monique Shields, the CEO of Breakthrough Atlanta, thank you so much for your time. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condus Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Condus? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time as we explore 
new perspectives. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.